Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the SAP, the Sex Actually podcast. As always, it is your host, Dave Neal, with your other host, Tasha Marie Courtney. Hello, Why'd Tasha. you call me other host? I can never win. <laughs> I used to say my co-host, and you go, I'm just your co-host. I called you a guest once. I had to sleep on the couch. <laughs> You're my other host. You're the other person. Guys, if we if we did a behind-the-scenes documentary... People think I just come in here hot-headed, like I got some crazy rage. The shit I have to deal with to get you sitting down every single time you sit down. You, what, I got shit in my teeth? You got some strawberry in your teeth. Every single time I sit down, I turn the cameras on. I'm running a three-camera show here. I got, I got no interns. I'm doing it all by myself. I turn the camera on. Tasha sits down. I focus her up. And then she goes, shouldn't we have some food to keep our blood sugar levels high? <laughs> she turns into a fucking medic. And then I got to turn everything off again. You got to get a strawberry. You tell me I got shit in my teeth. Listen, we've uh, it's late and it's nobody's fault, but it's late that we're getting started. We haven't, we ate three pieces of bacon this morning. So I don't think it's too much to ask that I have a little snack. I ate, I tried to get us to podcast at 11 a.m. And I was like, let's just podcast before sunset. It's almost sunset. Okay. I don't have enough lumens in these lights to get me good. I need good lighting into these eyes. I have inset eyes. I look like an asshole if they're not lit well, okay? I got to be my own cinematographer. I got to come up with topics. I got to do all these things. It ain't easy being me. And you wonder when I say, tell me how much time you need. You wonder when you're doing your eyelashes, if that's the thing stopping us from being a number one show. I don't know. I don't know, Tasha Marie. I'm happy to have you here. Happy fucking Father's Day to you. <laughs> Happy Father's Day, Dave. I like that we have a three-camera setup now, and I'm teasing this for our, our audio listeners only. I like that we have a three-camera setup because we don't have to like sit smushed into each other. You know what I mean? We can get each other's coverage. I'm wearing my new boat shoes. You're damn right I am. Look at these Dave's things. Dave's wearing some Sperry's. The YouTubers you, can see. Do you see. want to put your foot like right here in my eyeline so we can get a close-up on No, we get a close-up on my angle. I got an angle over there. The beauty of these things is Tashi goes, with all, with all the COVID, she goes, take your shoes off at the door. You can't wear your shoes inside. Well, guess what, bitch? That's just general health. You these shoes, shoes are right out of the box, and they're my indoor Sperry's. <laughs> Until you wear them outside once, then you're not allowed to wear them inside nope, anymore. Nope, I'm only wearing indoor Sperry's. These are they should make shoes. Shoe, they should make shoes that when you get because because I, I personally prefer wearing shoes inside. It makes me feel like I'm Why getting not shit socks? done. No, 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 no. That's too comfy. I need I need a good. I need to be laced up, ready for war. There's no reason you couldn't have specifically an indoor pair of shoes that live inside by the door. So you take your outside shoes off at the door and you switch. I mean, that's very common in like Japan. They have like indoor slippers. Like everybody takes their shoes off at the door and puts on their slippers. It's Mister Rogers, right? He has his indoor cardigan. He puts on. Yeah, just ready to maybe go. he like takes off his. Uh, dress shoes and puts on his sneakers was he a, that's was a he thing. a dad did he have kids i don't know he was america's dad yeah isn't it funny how there's certain people we we sort of nominate them like through our own projection to be our fathers isn't that it? like who like who's who's a father to you in in sort of like hollywood or pop culture do you have somebody that you look up to as a dad other than of course tim no, I, I don't think so. Oh my but gosh, I do, really? I, I, I can kind of understand that thing about Mr. Rogers because I did grow up watching Mr. Rogers. Like, oh, you know who was maybe a good one? Uh, Pat Sajak, right? Is he the Wheel of Fortune guy? You get older every week. <laughs> 
Pat Sajak is your fatherly figure. He's no. Here's what I'm saying. So you can buy a He's vowel. sort of like just like you said, America's dad. Like he's a sweet old guy. That he's we apple love. pie. He's mm-hmm. as America as it gets. Yeah, and I would be devastated Trebek if I too? found out like dirt on him or like Mr. Rogers. I would be devastated. Well, Pat Sajak is an alcoholic, and he was. Um, he wrote. He wrote his memoirs talking about how he would just get loaded before every you know show. Because I mean, after a Wheel while, Wheel of Fortune. Yeah, Wheel of Fortune. Fortune just sloshed. <laughs> yeah, of course. Think about it. You get you you're, you get kind of like you mail it in. You know, you're making X amount no matter what. There's no incentive to be better. The show's going to get renewed, even if you you know dress up in blackface. I mean, he, he could. I mean, maybe that wouldn't get him renewed, but he can literally do no wrong at this point. Well, I, I don't buy that for a second. But he's a sweet old guy. Everybody loves him. It's America's game. I mean, I have a million. You know, not never having an older brother. Like I got my older brother Rick, but I didn't meet him till I was in my twenties. The whole story, I didn't know my dad. I never grew up with an older brother, so for me, I'm always looking at older brother figures. Etienne in Montreal, we met studying abroad in France. Four years older, same thing with Puker, a couple years older. Some guys in my fraternity that are older. I always look up to these older guys. Guys like Jay Hollingsworth, a little bit of an older comedian. Like I, I am so. I uh, I have such a thirst for a brotherhood that and, and it doesn't mean it's not women aren't welcomed into that brotherhood. It's just different. It's nice to have someone who you can look up to a little bit, a little bit of like guidance, someone that's there for you, someone that has your back. I get it totally. And they're not always perfect. I had somebody in in a they, my circle of friends and family that found out was stealing from someone else in my circle of friends and family and it's it's it i mean it starts with finding out santa's not real that's the first you ever feel like this disloyalty but then it happens when you put somebody on a pedestal like uh, assuming they're better than they are it, it's like it's like when chris pratt and um and anna ferris got divorced everyone goes are you fucking kidding me chris pratt because at the time, before, yeah, he's, this, he's you know, kind of America's golden boy. He's too. his golden boy, and then Anna Ferris is a she's she's a golden girl. Not a golden, <laughs> but that's exactly the way we view society: a golden boy, Chris Pratt, golden girls, eighty-eight-year-old Betty White. That's the difference. But yeah, she, they were perfect, and you know, you know, they they grew apart in whichever way, and they both. It was the beginning of their relationship. She was the star; he was an unknown. And then towards the end, he was the star, and she's a sitcom actress. And you know, for whatever reason, all the money the world couldn't save the relationship you know yeah sometimes people just grow apart and that's okay but you wonder if it's growing apart versus not choosing love first like if you choose every opportunity that doesn't involve love you know and love comes with sacrifice if if you were to get some big gig somewhere that was good for you and i could theoretically come along that'd be great but if i had my own thing and i couldn't do it it's like you know, you become these industries in, in the celebrity world, and that's why. Yeah, there's. I'm sure there are a ton of other factors there of which we know nothing. I uh, so, do you have Father's Days? I mean, like, you know, you call your dad. You know, your dad's such a low key. He's such a dad. He's such a. You know, if you could take all, if you could like boil down all the types of dads into like a dad that covers all the bases it's your dad he's a quiet guy he goes out to the backyard to check on the chlorine levels in the hot tub (laughs) comes back in and lets everybody know that they're okay (laughs) you know comes back in and he warns everyone hey don't go in the hot tub for the next 10 minutes i just put some more chlorine in here we go thanks tim (laughs) i mean he's just he's a fastball down the middle 
Yeah, my dad is a very good dad. He's a good guy. Um, do you get like, do you have um, any Father's Day memories or times when he had to bail you out? Because sometimes dads can do things like some, you know, I feel like moms to daughters always feel like they have to coach. I feel like moms always have to like tell you how, you know, what, you know, fix you into being the better. Like that's what moms like to do. But dads can be your friends more sometimes. And when was the first time you thought you saw your dad as a friend? Did you ever get that far? I don't know. Where you just have a beer together? No? No. I'm, I always <laughs> think of my dad as my dad. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. We didn't have a relationship that like that growing up. We get just my family in general. My family dynamic is much better, much healthier. Uh, now that I mo- have moved out and live far away. Um, and I love them very much, but we just didn't have that. Like, I can't think of an instance where my dad bailed me out. <laughs> Could you call your dad if you had like a real big issue? Like, like, would he ever be the guy you wanted to talk to? I don't know. I remember when I, uh, I had, I ran into some money issues in New York and I found out I was just about to move to LA. This is going to sound so stupid, but I thought I was getting scammed by my chiropractor because, um, I was, I was told that all of my chiropractor visits would be covered under my insurance. But then I started getting these invoices sent to me for $800 a visit. Now, as it turns out, that was just what they were charging my insurance. Yeah, so it's just like a bill, a summary bill. I thought I had 20 visits at $800 a visit. So I thought I'm 16 grand in debt. And I go and I I, I didn't call my parents to let to tell them. To, I drove to Rhode Island. I sat them down and I go, there's something important I need to talk to you guys about. And I like, they probably thought I was coming out, had AIDS. They thought I was arrested or me too. Yeah. If someone's pregnant, something was going on. And I was like, my chiropractor's defrauding me. <laughs> They're like, now you're fine. Oh, no, so good. But it was like, it was a good example of like how all these fears and things and, and, you know, when it comes down to it, you know, call your dad call your stepdad you it's call interesting you bring this up i don't know that and you know it could totally be a personal issue i i i'm not sure i don't think that my parents are the first people that i would think of to go to if i had a problem certain small things yeah sure what is that a big a f- thing fear of judgment i yeah, maybe. Because you moved I, away to like prove them wrong because, you know, you not didn't... Not to prove them wrong. That, that's but, just a Well, bonus. put it this way. They weren't approving of no. you not finishing college and living in New York. Yeah, that is true. Um, but I think so I in knew a sense, that you that's had to what I needed to do. And so I was going to do it whether I had their approval or not. And yeah, that meant that I couldn't necessarily come for it come to them for advice if I was in trouble or for help if I was in trouble. So I had no choice but to figure out how to make it work. And I think, you know, I did and I'm better and stronger for it. But even if I think back before that, even in high school, like if I had a problem with like a friend or girls bullying me or whatever, never would I talk to them about that because I don't think that their response you know, I can't remember a time when I ever came to them with a problem and I'm sure there was like a first time, but you know, I think, but you go to people with problems. Who would you call right now? Big issue. Can't talk to me about it. Girl stuff. Do you have somebody on speed dial? that's going to answer the phone. I think it depends on the problem. Are you ready? Like when Darren, when Darren called me last week 
I didn't answer. I was on a run. And then he texted me. He's like, you got a minute? I do now. Yeah. Because when you say you got a minute, you need a half an hour. I mean, you know? I definitely called Sammy with problems. But to get back to it, I think that my parents, I felt a lot of judgment from my parents if I had a problem. I I don't think that I felt like they were necessarily um, people who were like on my side. And maybe they were looking for solutions. Maybe they thought that my problems were sort of like trivial compared to like real adult problems. But I remember thinking that like, you know, I couldn't talk to them about stuff like problems that were happening at school or, you know, with frenemies or anything like that. Because you thought their answer, you, you weren't trusting that they would give you an answer that was what you're in your best interest or, or again, more, more because I, I, I had this tendency to feel like, and like looking back, I, I feel this and I don't know if this is true or if this is just, you know, if this was just my outlook, but, um, I think that I would have received judgment. Like if I'm having a problem with girls, it must be my fault. And, well, I'm sorry to hear that. You know, <laughs> that's, that's sad. I know this is not what you were asking for. No, when that's, you started no, asking that's, these questions. You no, know, it's like, well, everyone's parents were, let's st- stick to dad's father's day episode. Everyone's dads serve a different purpose. Some dads, their, their purpose and again, we only know this through hindsight. It's a fucking abandoned them. I'm not saying me. I wasn't technically abandoned. My mom left my dad. <laughs> a little different. But some people's dads abandon them, and they're and and in hindsight, they've they realize they don't want that for their children. They break the mold and they become the best dad in the world to the next generation. You know, so it's like you never. It's always it's you know it's it's whatever you make of the situation you're given. You were given loving parents that wanted you to succeed. And, but they only knew the way they knew. I mean, they, they've, they, they, they're from the same street. <laughs> they're from the same street and they live in the same town. That's what, and don't get me wrong. They travel a lot. They're, they're well-traveled, but that's what they know. And you're like 18, like I'm going to New York. And they're like, fuck you are or whatever, you know? So it's like, they, they've, they've got your best interest. And like we've talked about in previous episodes as a pretty, as a pretty lady, I'm sure they were, they just knew you would be a target for people. You know, if I had, if we had a pretty daughter, I'd want, I'd, I'd have to teach her different lessons than if we had a son, you'd have to get different lessons. So, you know, anyway, we're not here to, we're not blaming anybody. The, the, the point is, is that like your dad had to be a different dad for you than like my stepdad was for me. Like my, my stepdad never, like they weren't really, they never hovered over me. Like this, this pandemic is the most I've ever been curfewed in my life. <laughs> this is it. I've never had someone telling me. You were also a little bit older when Luke came into your life. So 11. maybe there's a, yeah, but old enough that like 11 year olds are very much their own people. It's not like a five-year-old who's still like super moldable. I was, sense. the first time I was scolded by my stepdad was when they were dating and I was lighting. I just learned how to light matches. <laughs> it's what you do when you're 10 and a half. You learn how to light matches and I would light matches all the time. And eventually he took the matches from me and I was like, <laughs> you can't do that. And then my mom didn't stop him. And I was like, well, I guess you can. And I, I, I feel like I had a pity party. I was 11, 10 and a half. And I feel like I went out to my mom's car and just sat there for like an hour. And he just like, let me, <laughs> he's like, fine, go cause I'd freeze your ass off. He was very much like, like, uh, you know, and he didn't know what he was doing. He had two daughters, so he didn't know how to raise a son. He wasn't a big sports guy, but like he knew 
he knew what I loved and I've talked about it in the past and he like showed up like he learned he, he basically learned how to be a dad for me and that's what dads do is they they either they learn what to like a good dad won't try to make you the soccer star they wanted to be a good dad will be like all right lacrosse is cool let's get you a lacrosse stick I'll learn lacrosse with you I'll skateboard with you it's it's kind of like amplifying the stage uh, that your kids want and what's interesting, you know, we find out, I feel like last year was, or maybe two years ago, when, this was when Channing was on, called his dad, which was a really cool experience, even though his dad showed zero emotion. He knew that was going to happen. He put his dad on the spot, said, like, thinking about your dad, love you. You know, he got about as choked up as he's going to get, which to the naked eye looks like he's not showing any emotion at all. But to me, I'm floored by it because you realize how much is going on beneath the surface of these types of relationships where it's like, a big deal to just give to pick up the phone and tell someone you love them sometimes. And we're all at different levels of like what we can, what we can express. But I think it's a big thing. I mean, we literally just watched that one queer eye episode a few weeks ago. Right. We talked about it last podcast, (laughs) but it's interesting because I think that most parents don't have an easy time making the transition from full-time parenting when their kids are super young to um, treating their kids sort of as like equals or autonomous beings. And that's where I think there's problems. There was definitely a problem in my family in that way. I didn't have any like, um, I I really didn't get a lot of freedoms and uh, they didn't allow me like any chance to like make my own decisions or mistakes. They were very much overbearing. Right. And I think that that was the same thing that was in that episode. And then, you know, that she moved out of the house. The oldest daughter wanted to like live a little bit of a different life when they came and had a conversation about it, her dad really treated her much more as an equal and just said, she had to stand her ground. Yeah. I'm not going to let you do that. I'm going to, I got to be my own. You got to be a butterfly and fly away. And he said, I only want what's best for you. And I'm going to try and, you know, take your opinion into consideration more. And that's, that's it. That's all anybody wants. My thought with you though, is that getting birds to leave the nest. Well, you left the nest, you flew away and now your relationship with your family's great because you get to call them from 3000 miles away. But my thought is, did you not, did you learn how to communicate with them or did you learn to leave? And now I'm paying the bill from you walking out on their dinner reservations. You don't think that we have learned to communicate here? I walk on eggshells when Tasha Marie needs me to walk on eggshells. Let's put it that way. There are, there are, there are, there are times we, 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 to set the analogy, I was, I was talking to you earlier about this. Um, we, we've lived together for about half a decade now. It's fucking nuts. Fucking crazy. Over half a decade. I'm not going to do the math, but I think it's over five years or this is our five year anniversary of living together in a 550 square foot apartment. (laughs) Everyone who's in the apartment can hear this whole conversation. Um, and getting uh communicating with you is like like is uh is like how the uh missionaries try to communicate with that uh, senegalese uh, tribe so it's the tribe that lives on that island off of the coast of like madagascar that's never had like um first world people contact them so whenever a first world person comes they just get murdered with bows and arrows that's me trying to communicate with you no that's not you're the senegalese tribe saying i will defend 
Are this... you butchering the name of this tribe? Senegalese. I already deleted. No, it's like Senegalese. I think it's called. Anyway, it's not important what the name of the tribe is. They're a tribe of like a couple hundred inbred, you know, people that live on an island. Whoa. Back it up. They're inbred. They're There's an like uncontacted 100... tribe. You don't need to say they're inbred. Jeez. Well, they're an uncontacted tribe that lives on an island and they are radically against any... They are, uh, are avoiding being contacted at all costs. So anyone that lands on this island gets murdered immediately. Which is what Drones happens when I... over get shot immediately. Which is what happens when I have like a problem to bring up to you. Like, honey, I don't think you're doing X, Y, and Z and I wish we could do this. You start murdering my drones. You are the Senegalese tribe. I'm just going to let you know that. So the next time I have an issue and I start making the little bow and arrow, uh, you know, uh, sign language bow and arrow, that's going to be you with your defense system shooting arrows at me. Well, what I'm going to (laughs) say is that communication is a delicate thing. No matter what, no matter who you're talking to, you it's on the responsibility of the person doing the talking to try and make sure that what they are saying is going to be well received, right? You wouldn't just go into your place of work and start spouting off to your boss about all of their shortcomings. No, in a mean way, no, there's no way your boss would put up with that. So you think about, okay, how am I going to say this? I'm going to say this thing delicately. How do I get my point across without being too harsh? And And so I don't want to hear that. I'm a poor communicator <laughs> because you come in here chirping at me. No, you're not poor. You just have a defense system protecting your island. So I have to talk to you like after we make love because I know you're, you know, hopefully overcome with uh, bliss <laughs> and or slightly disappointed, whatever the feeling is. I, I got to talk to you in a time where I know the window is open uh, where it's going to be well received versus last night. Uh, I come home uh, and I wasn't Came even home huffy. I don't even want to, no, I don't even want to get into the Let, whole thing, no, because but like can't. my, no, 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 because you're right that my, my communication wasn't there, but I didn't feel like there was a situation in which I could voice how I felt without Senegalese tribe shooting me down. Like the other day, we, yeah, we, but you, that's completely imagined. The you other came day home in a bad mood, imagining how a conversation was going to go instead of just having a conversation. I wasn't in a bad mood. The other day you came home in a bad mood. We, we uh, I mentioned like, you know, look, we need, when we fight, when we argue, we need to not swear at all. We need to not swear, not not say fuck. Say fuck when you're happy, but don't say like, well, you fucking do this. Don't, no fucks. Because that when you when, when you say, oh, you fucking do this, it turns into fuck you. Like it, it becomes that, it, it get to the final fuck, which is fuck you. That's the final fuck. You know what? Fuck me. No, no, no. Fuck me. Fuck you. Like that's the worst thing you can say, really. Uh, so the other day, we agreed we would keep track of how many... You were like, all right, let's agree not to say fuck to each other. I was like, no, no, no. I don't say fuck to you. It's a one-way thing. I was like, you do it 60 times for every time I do it to you. So sure enough, you the other day, you were like, you know, fuck you, fucking fuck you. And I went to the dry erase board. I wrote F-bombs. I wrote Dave. And then I wrote Tasha. And I put a little Nick under the Tasha. You ripped the dry erase board off the wall and tried to break it over your knee like you're Mark McGuire at bat. But... And by the way, not the strongest dry erase board. It's made out of particle board. After three attempts at, w- at breaking it over your knee, you couldn't break it, so you frisbee shot it into the other room. 
That's a Senegalese tribe, folks. <laughs> and I think I've made my point because Tasha's quiet. So let's move on with the convo. We're good though. But it, but yeah, in, in any relationship communicating, you got to know when to, like they say, pick your battles. And sometimes but do if you think that that was the nicest way when we're lit- when you're coming at me, Here's an argument being a poor communicator. It's it's all and you're gonna rub salt in the wound. All I said to you was I don't want to be the assistant director. Now I don't even know an assistant director is the person. They're not actually the assistant to the director on a film set. The the AD, the assistant director, their job is to have all of the scenes done at a specific amount of time. So the AD is in charge of all of the things that make basically the budget happened on time. So when I said, I don't want to be the assistant director, I don't want to be the one who says like, we got to get out of the door by this time where we have to do this. We have to do that. Like I was like, I'm going to do my creative work. And at this time we'll leave, which means I need you to just be ready to go. And we walk out the door. And when I noticed that that wasn't going to happen, I wasn't, I did, I did, I failed. If we're going to rehash this, you need to be honest about what actually happened. No, I'm telling you, I failed you in, in the way I communicated that. And that's and that's no, you when had you a said moving the target. <laughs> no, do we do our listeners want to hear this? No, they don't. So I'm but I'm I'm not saying it as if I was right. I'm saying in the moment I didn't do a good job of communicating to you my expectations. And in a good uh resolution, you have to know that you have to like put the other per like give the other person the benefit of the doubt that they're trying their best. That's number one. But you also have to like leave room for like uh for like uh, rent for uh, you know kinks in the system, right? So for me, one of my problems is that I have the type of brain that does seven things at once. I get everything done at eighty five percent. I'm a B student, B plus on a good day, but I get a lot accomplished. And you're like, take your time, and you get an A plus in the thing you're working on. That's where we're different. So sometimes I'll load up my day and have too many things I want to do, and then your your concern. Look at everyone on YouTube. Watch your body language right now. <laughs> Here comes the Senegalese. Your I'm, concern. I'm super annoyed because no, because I'm coming to your defense. About something specific, or we're not talking about. I'm coming to your defense. Your concern is that you're left as the last thing on the to-do list, whereas for me, I'm trying to get X, Y, and Z done so I can then have time for you. And what I need to learn to do is put less on my plate, and so we can kind of let room to breathe, so we can meet in the middle of the Venn diagram. Agreed. I don't know. Did I lose you? Yeah. Eat a, eat a grape. Grapes aren't going to help this. Okay, they're not going to help this. I've, this, this, is, this is stuff we've worked on, honey. We've, we've come a long way. I noticed where uh, I was poor at communicating. And the problem being is that when I'm poor at communicating, it's already tripped your system. So I don't just get to say, you're right, I fucked that up. It takes a while. You got to reset the bows and arrows. All of your traps have already gone off. That's the limbic system. Your limbic system's already fried because it was like like a, a scenario in which you can't like necessarily escape from. You know what I mean? So I apologize for that. And that's five years. That's six years of dating. Five years living under the same house, and it still happens when you're when you're like almost least ready, like when your guard's down. So I'm not, so in, in, in any relationship, I know a ton of people that listen in relationships, you just got to know that it's a practice to constantly work on your communication styles. Because I think, I know, you know, 
uh, in a good mindset that I'm not out to get you, that I'm not really making you last on my priority list and all these things. I have a million. I, I hear Dave, I understand. I, I believe that you usually have the best of intentions, but I do believe that you put me last on your priority list. Let's talk about the specifics because you're just talking in generalities but also talking about specifics and nothing is going to make sense to the listener. We got in an argument two days ago because I said we should go on a hike and immediately you shot the idea down. But then about an hour later, you came around to it. We were out running some errands. I don't even remember. But why did I shut it down? Because you hadn't considered it yet because anything that comes out of my mouth that's not your idea is No, because I was shooting a video and I and I had to get it up the next morning. So I had to edit it that night and I was like, Oh man, I have to I have to think about how I'm gonna make this all work. So in my head, I'm going I can so make your it first, work. Your initial response is always a blatant no, and then about an hour later you think, Oh, maybe that's a possibility. Okay, I can put my things, I can do my things between these hours and then maybe I can make some time for a hike later. Right? So you came around to the idea. So that's a good vibe, right? We're at a good vibe. Like I came around, I had to I had to kind of let my the I had to rebuild the Jenga blocks in my head. I had to be like, okay, well, I was going to go for a run so I can do the hike. I just didn't have the extra time to sort of like, you know, go on a target. But your reflex is always straight up. No, if it's not your idea, if you didn't plan it, your reflex is straight up. And that's a good thing to notice because that's something I have, you know, you notice my reflex, which means that's something I have to look at. Okay. Am I reflect, am I reflexive when Tasha wants to do something and it cuts into my plans? Absolutely. But you know, you realize that it's a problem that you don't communicate your plans to me up front. You just kind of assume that you're always going to have the whole day free to do whatever you want to do on whatever schedule. Well, I would try to write it down on my dry erase board, but you broke it. The dry erase board sitting right ah, there. That's a joke, unbroken. honey. I'm listening. Continue. I'm listening. All right. So you didn't communicate your plans for the day to me. I made a suggestion about the day. You nearly blew your mind when I made it a suggestion that didn't fall into this plan that you already had in your head that you hadn't communicated with me, I said, all right, never mind. then. You did some thinking. You figured out how you might be able to make it work. You said, okay, we can go for a hike at 5.30. Well, 5.30 comes and goes. You say, uh, we can go for a hike at 6.30. 6.30 comes and goes. You say, we can go for a hike by 6.45. 6.45 comes and goes. 7 o'clock. 6.46. You yell 646. at me. The fight happened at 6.46. You yell at <laughs> me for not being ready to go. Meanwhile, I've been sitting on the couch in my hiking outfit since 3.30 in the afternoon. I've been ready to go. Yeah. But you pushed back the, the limit. You said we were going to hike at this time. And then you said we were going to hike at this time. And then we said you were going to hike at this time. While you were working on your stuff not being communicative right. of planning. No, letting the time come and go. And then Whereas revising. If I was and I've been waiting patiently this whole time. And then the second you're done and ready to go, you are jumping down my throat about let's go, let's go, let's so go. So the solution would have been as I'm running late, I'm doing my editing. You know, it always, time stops when you, it's, you know, you're doing your editing, time flies. The solution would have been, you know what, honey? Sunsets at 8.15. If we're out the door by 7, we can get the hike in before the fucking mountain lions get us, right? We're trying not to hike with coyotes, okay? So this is the most Los Angeles cover. <laughs> trying to hike before the mountain lions get us. So there's one mountain lion, P22. So the 150-pound cat. Uh, 
in the forest where we hike. So yeah, the solution would have been for me to communicate that to you. Instead, what I saw at 645 was that you were cooking macaroni and cheese. And I go, uh, yeah, because I had been waiting around not eating anything since 3.30. I, when things like this happen, I know, I know your limbic system's flared and you think I'm the worst guy and you want to divorce me, X, Y, and Z. I actually, I like the, the, the actual self-improver in me doesn't just think you're crazy. I actually think, how the fuck did I go from a day where we got you your MacBook Pro, you're all excited, we're gonna, you know, how did I go from that to messing this up where, you know, like uh, I've stepped in the bear trap. I know where the bear traps are. It's when I rush you. It's when I, we don't communicate and I rush you. So I waited till the last second and then I was like, honey, let's go. And that, and that was me stepping in the bear trap. I apologize. It's something. But do you not understand how it's like just not cool to leave me on call like that? Well, but it also. It's th- like I'm, that's I'm you. just at what your whatever whim. First you said this time, but you know, that wasn't going to go. So it got pushed back and it's all at your whim. I totally understand the the thing is, is you're operating like your natural Senegalese tribal way to operate is with the ego that I'm doing this to mess with you. Whereas for me, I, no, no, I understand. But for me, what I'm doing is I'm trying to work as much as I can so that we can go and, and like be open and, and just enjoy it. And then I got to come back and work again. So like for me, I did a bad job, but I wasn't trying to make you feel like, and I understand that that's one of the things you hate the most is feel like if I take you to a stand up show, to me, that's like, all right, we'll do a stand-up show. We'll get a glass of wine after. To you, that's like, uh, I'm ragdolling you around. So, so I've had to learn that, honey. I've had to learn that. And it's okay. We've, we've overcome it. We had a good weekend. That was on Thursday. Would you agree? You still, you, you know, and I get it. You, you actually, you, <laughs> you bring back that same anger. And I think, I don't think your anger glands, we, we need to get a, someone who knows anatomy or biology, I don't think your anger glands know the difference between right now and Thursday. You're at, you're still well, angry. You're ready to break the diaries for it again. Yeah, I am <laughs> angry because I feel like you're not taking into, you're not doing like a real look at like what the actual issues are. Everyone listening knows I just laid it completely out. No, I'm an idiot. I had to lay it no, out no, no, no. I, because you didn't want to talk about the specifics of stringing me along all day. And then the second you're ready to go, you're jumping down my throat. Like I've been holding you up. Right. I, yeah, <laughs> right. I got you. I was aware of that. As soon as it happened, I go, fuck. I, I stepped in the bear trap. And you don't just open the bear trap and walk away. I'm bloody. I'm leaving a blood trail. The mountain lion's going to get this me. This is a common theme in no, our I, lives. Well, I mean, the theme is, is, yeah, we struggle with how we communicate and fill up our day. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's something. But to think that we're like awful people or not meant to be because of it, like newsflash, everyone's built differently. And just like we were talking about with our dads have to learn how to coach us and what we need out of life. As partners, we have to learn that our way of thinking doesn't always apply to the other person. And what a fantastic thing that that is, that you've got such a different lens that you see life as you chew that strawberry, really get it down on the mic, chew it on the mic. Let everyone enjoy that organic strawberry with you. Go for it. Next bite right here. Next bite, everybody. <laughs> you 
can't be mad when you eat a strawberry. <laughs> no one eats a strawberry mad. So I understand your point. Um, I got to reset the cameras. We'll keep going. But um, I want, oh, you know what I'll do is I'll play this for you right now. Okay. So, okay. Do you want to get into this? Are we good? Good mindset to switch things up? By the way, I wanted to mention, uh, you, everyone knows that I love a good, uh, I love a good hybrid soda. Uh, today I'm drinking, I wish they were a sponsor, Diet Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda, naturally and artificially flavored, established in 1885. Wow. This is a, I mean, this is a beverage. Let me have a sip of yours. Have a sip of mine. Cold. And, um, yeah, I, uh, I think I talked about it on the Patreon. You know, I'll give a quick shout out on the Patreon before we continue the podcast. So big shout out to all of our new uh, people that are out there. We have Jake and DJ and Deidre. Deidre, did I mess it up again? Yeah. That's going to always happen. <laughs> Rainer's out there. I can't even get his, uh, you know, Austria right, his country. But big shout out. We're, at, we're actually at 22 Patreon members, which might not sound like much, but, um, you know, it adds up big time. Uh, it adds up big time. It pays for the lights and the uh, new cameras. And actually, we just got new audio equipment. We're not using it right now, but for my YouTube channel, I got new lavalier mics, which can be very expensive. I got uh, this two-pack of lavalier mics for $280. Uh, yeah, they ain't cheap. They ain't cheap, honey, but you know, the, the Sennheiser's trying not to tell me how much they were. I, I, it's your Amazon account. So, I mean, I paid for it, but you know, you, you, you can, uh, I'm not trying to lie, honey. We're testing them out, but these lavalier mics, I mean, I needed them for a few projects I'm working on, but my hopes you can plug them straight into your iPhone. So wireless mics, we can go on hikes and, and uh, car casting. We can do some more unique things on the Patreon, which I'm really excited about. But for all those out there, I said when we, I said when we got to 25 Patreon members, I was going to do an episode a week. Well, guess what? At 20, I started doing an episode a week. So everyone gets an episode a week, regardless of what level you're at. And um, I'm, uh, I'm just slinging content. I love talking to people. I love the Patreon because, um, you know, one episode I was talking about how my car or, you know what, two episodes ago, I talked about how my car battery was stolen. I played ACDC the whole time. Next thing you know, we're talking about Nikola Tesla and uh, Edison about their feuds. It's a blast. That might be the greatest hour I've ever solo podcasted, I think, is me explaining how my car battery was stolen. But anyway, uh, if you enjoy what we do and you have it in the funds, go to patreon.com slash the sap, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash T-H-E. S-A-P. By the way, we got to redo our intro video for that. Remember, we recorded that in Lake Tahoe like two years ago. And uh, we, we look like uh, we look like um, Harry and Lloyd from Dumb and Dumber when they're just like giant sweaters on. I've got a comb over. I mean, we really look What's stupid. What's wrong with the sweater? I'm just saying, I feel like we were staying at a friend's Airbnb that was like a $20,000 a weekend place. So I feel like we looked like way too ritzy for what it was. Like We should have been, you know, in the what alley. What should be the theme for our next intro video? We should be out by my car with a missing battery <laughs> that's what we should do um i don't know what, what do about a, a beach we should do a beach recording i would love that can you hear me sure yeah i think we should do um use our lavalier microphones and the drone and we'll do a drone video on our hike so the drone can follow us and we'll do our pitch sounds great i'm just gonna let this be dead air you can cut it out okay no i don't want to keep talking i need an emotional reset after whatever that was a podcast that we've been doing it for uh you know i don't mind i don't i truly believe that our listeners don't want to hear any of that and that you should cut all that out i don't think that's quality content you know i i agree i sort of agree but also it's kind of about being authentic about what we are and we work through things honey 
And you know, yeah, no one wants to hear an hour of us bitching, but we got to the solution. We're at 40 minutes. No one wants to hear 40 minutes of no, bitching No, that was barely either. 20 minutes. That was barely 20 no minutes. No one, I mean, honestly, I, as a listener, I wouldn't be able to stand that. That sounds like my worst nightmare, listening to like your friends argue. It's productive. I disagree. Okay, so can we get into the next thing I wanted to talk about? So, uh, okay, so what do we got? So, okay, the big big news in the podcast sphere. So, a uh, couple of weeks ago, Joe Rogan announces that he signs a multi hundred million dollar Spotify deal. He's basically licensing his podcast out to Spotify for several years. And they said over a hundred million dollars, which some have said up to $290 million, which is insane. But there's a uh, sort of a, a new surge of me too, uh, allegations happening throughout the comedy world. Uh, Joey Diaz, one of the, one of the funniest, rawest comics of all time. He's just a nut. He's an animal. He's a convicted felon. He, um, He's, he used to be a cokehead, uh, druggy, uh, 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 armed robbery. He went to jail for, he's also, uh, been in the movie, the longest yard and a bunch of different mafia types of shows. He's a big Cuban from, uh, Harlem, New York. Anyway, he tells crazy stories on Joe Rogan and this in the, there's been kind of a rush for people to try to cancel him based on the stories he's told about his past. So I wanted to play for you some of the things that were going on, and then we can just chat about it real quick. I know you haven't uh, listened to any of this yet. So this first clip is a clip from Joey Diaz on the Joe Rogan podcast years ago. That was just because Joe Rogan's done 13 or 1400 episodes. So um, people are trying to cancel Joe Rogan for basically laughing at Joey Diaz's story. So let's uh, listen to this and then we'll discuss of money. Uh, she's lucky she paid a hundred. I had girls sucking my dick and giving me coke from Chewy. You think I'm fucking kidding you? Fuck yeah, you gotta suck my dick to get up in the belly room. I'm making call for you. That's the that's the fucking gateway into coming to Hollywood. Everybody knows that. How many girls did you have to do that? Oh, 20 of them. I had, <laughs> yeah. I had this little blonde open mic chick dog that used to come up to the comedy store with a 20 and just take me up to the belly room and suck my dick then go do her set. She was tremendous. Wow. She finally freaked out. When she got to Hollywood, bro, she was beautiful. And when she left, she had dirty fucking, her nails were dirty. And then a year later, she wrote me a letter to the comedy store. You cocksucker, you broke me. <laughs> <laughs> I kept shooting sperm balls in her fucking earball. Every time she went down, vaya pa la pinga. Sperm balls into her earball. So the question is. That sounds gross. That sounds gross. That sounds gross. Yeah, no one's raunchy. defending it. No one's defending it. No one's defending. I mean, it sounds a lot like what Trump said on that bus. Yeah. Locker room talk. You grab them by the pussy. They let you grab them by the pussy. That's what Trump said, right? Locker room talk. The, the problem is, though, is do, do we censor his stories? This episode's probably five years old, right? So he's been uh, sober from cocaine for, I think he said, 12 years. So do we censor the stories from the past or do we let it be aired out as a pre preventative way? Was the whole... Because a lot of... I got to re rewind real quickly. So the comedy store is one of the greatest comedy venues of all time. It's an iconic institution. You walk in, you immediately feel the energy. It's insane. There's three different rooms, the belly rooms, the upstairs small room. Apparently Joey Diaz ran a, ran a room up there. And, and the thought was, is that he was, uh, you know, ac accepting blowjobs for stage time. That's what he literally said, but Joey's never, he's never hidden these things. He's talked about 
being a convicted felon. He's talked about doing time. He used to sell people tickets to see him perform and then also sell them like uh, pills. You know what I mean? Like he was a drug dealer. He was a scumbag. He, he'll, he'll tell you this outright. So the question is when, when these stories come up where, where this isn't a specific woman coming forward, it's a guy telling a story and then Joe Rogan laughing. Does that, does that mean you co-sign somebody's story because they made you laugh? I mean, obviously it was like, it's jarring to hear that now. Well, I do. I, okay. Yeah. You just asked me a lot of questions. Is laughing co-signing? Not necessarily because there's been plenty of times where I've been in an awkward situation. Somebody says something that I don't agree with at all, but I'm not in a position of power. So who am I to, I, I'm not going to stand up to my boss when my boss says something, you know, political that sh- she shouldn't be talking about. That's a great, what, that's a great example of a type of laughter that doesn't mean you're co-signing. This wouldn't be it because Joe Rogan was actually the headliner and Joey Diaz was his opener. You know what I mean? So this wouldn't exactly pertain to that, but that's a good but example. Sometimes somebody says something that you just don't want to get into it. You know, like you have to pick and choose these days what things you're going to like come to bat for and laughter right? can be like a like a it's almost like a tension cutter for like what the fuck man yeah laughter can Jesus be Christ. like an uncomfortable thing i don't know that's not a, the clip i was expecting to hear i'm i'm pretty turned off by that yeah that's pretty gross that's what you expect when you come to hollywood no yeah. People come to Hollywood expecting to be treated with respect. People come to Hollywood not expecting to have to suck dicks to get doors open. People come to Hollywood thinking that maybe their talent, their skill, their hard work will speak for itself. Now, now the the way he describes this female's uh, coming there and she left, you know, all all fucked up. It doesn't it doesn't doesn't necessarily mean that Joey Diaz did that to her. But it, it does like he like as a storyteller, you you take things, you know, to the to the edge. Do you know what I mean? So I'm not defending him, but I also know I couldn't defend him in a Facebook post because, you know, you say you say crazy things. I mean, I you know, not my stories aren't crazy, but like you say things in, in your sometimes trying to get a response from the other person. So you're thinking he's exaggerating? I'm thinking there's definitely a scenario in which someone might have known they would have gotten stage time if they blew a guy. Do I think he coerced anyone into blowing him for stage time? I don't think so. But then again, the comedy store has been run, you know, in the past as some crazy, crazy shit would go on. People are banging each other in the closets. I mean, crazy shit was going on there. It's a late, it's a late night medium. You know what I mean? These shows are going on until 2 a.m. People are, there's drug deals happening. He's selling, he's selling cocaine out of a uh, Chinese food, you know, delivery bags when he was working in Chinese food. I mean, like there's a reason why people are so attracted to his stories because they're so raw, so crazy. It doesn't mean they're right. I mean, the dude literally served time. You know what I mean? He, 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 uh, kidnapped a man <laughs> and actually that man came to one of his shows recently. So it's like, it's complicated for sure. But like, I'm not defending him as a, an upstanding man, but like there's an authenticity there that you go, is it like if, if Joey, imagine if you could just cancel the internet where like bad, like shit like that happened. So then what? So we're not supposed to know that he was uh, accepting blowjobs for a stage time. Like it's very, I think it's very valuable to know like this is where we came from just, you know, in the nineties or, or even in the two thousands, whenever this happened. Well, right. Because you see this kind of stuff in the movies and you know, I, 
like a sort of there's this theory that people aren't technically technically very imaginative that we can only come up with ideas like we can spin off of ideas of things we already know right okay sorry so, keep going when you see this as a common theme in the movies that like in order to make it in Hollywood, you got to suck your agent's dick or whatever. Like that comes from somewhere. We Men know it exists. have always leveraged their power for sex. Sex is a commodity. And that's why they say prostitution is the oldest job. Well, and then- somebody sucked. That's why I said like, I had that joke about that time you were like going to go to, you know, Mexico with Tina Louise. And they were like, oh yeah, someone's got a private plane. And, and, uh, you were in, and I was like, no, no, no. Somebody's sucking somebody's dick for that jet fuel. Somebody's blowing somebody for that jet fuel to Mexico. So if you think you're just going to go to Mexico because somebody wants to send you to Mexico, you're at least showing your titties to get onto that tarmac, which is my point. And, as soon as a guy's, especially in comedy, because comedy is like a thing where you're not cool until you've made it, right? So a lot of these guys, you know, they're just not cool. And then all of a sudden they run a room. I got currency. I run a fucking room. Oh, you're showing me attention? Well, well I'll tell you what will get you on before stage. Before I heard this clip, I told you, because you gave me like a little synopsis. Here's This is a problem. I, I warned you because I didn't want, I wanted you to come in armed with your well, good intentions. Well, my, my wheels were spinning. You said that he said this thing and that people were up in arms about it. And I asked you, did a girl come out accusing him of something? And you said no. So in my thought, if he's just talking about something that was transactional is that all it was was it a consensual transaction between two parties now i hear this clip and he says oh 20 girls blah 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 i don't know i we don't i don't feel like we know enough about this to come to a judgment call right now but if if someone came out and was accusing him of you know coercing her into giving him a blow job for stage time that would make me very upset. And the only people but to I come also, out were were people that opened for him, female comics that said, Joey's a good guy. You know, so far, you know, he, he could he be a monster? Anyone could be. But uh, here's what I'm trying to say is sex work is work. Some people, you know, you said the somebody runs a room, now this guy has power. Well, sex is a commodity and and there are people who sell sex. Sex work is work and I don't think it should be judged. So if this was a transactional sort of thing between two consenting adults, you know, some people are into that. Some people are into blowjobs in a back room with like a sort of stranger. And cocaine some people are into ride. transactional sex. So if that's the case, if it's two consenting adults, like who am I to judge? But that sounded pretty raunchy. Well, with baseball, tie goes to the runner. So who are we to judge? Yet we're trying to cancel Joe Rogan for laughing at a story, which could have been seven different women. Like the 20, 20 of them came and blew them and this and that. And she left there. Wait, all of that. What? All of all of Joey Diaz's story, you know, when you're telling a story, when you're when you're telling jokes, I'm again not make, not coming to his defense, but like you can conflate things or add multiple stories into one. So, did this person that we don't know actually leave Hollywood all messed up? Who knows? Did Joey did did Joey ruin her because she blew him for stage time? Who knows? 
We really don't know. I wanted to play this one clip that, you know, ironically, I was listening to this podcast today. This is from a few, this is uh, from Joey Diaz's uh, episode number 792 of his uh, podcast, A Church of What's Happening Now. This is just a 10 second clip of, of, of um, Joey Diaz explaining who he is now. This podcast came out before this whole like cancel Uncle Joey thing. So I just thought it was ironic that he just kind of talked about who he is now. Hear these fucking stories of me saying these stories. We laugh at it now, but I was a rotten fucking person for a while, and it wasn't me. It wasn't who I really was, guys. It really wasn't. All those stories I tell you, I did them. I I copped to them, but looking back now, as a fifty-seven year old man, it wasn't me. It was the state of my heart. I had anger. I had anguish. You know, society took my mother. She didn't leave a will. No social security. So I wanted to I wanted to lash back at society with everything I had, and you know what? Looking at it now, it wasn't the answer. It ruined my life for years. The addiction fucked me up for twenty-seven years, and for ten years I walked around with that anger in my fucking heart. That you know, if I could kick a dog, shit like that. Like I was just an angry fucking person. You know, this is a guy in Los Angeles comedy that people love they call him uncle joey so when so this is imagine if so imagine if he was canceled before he was able to come to terms with why he committed so many wrongs i mean he was able to get the guy that he kidnapped and he went to federal prison for this is before he ever did stand-up this is you know he got into stand-up sort of late like late 20s he got into stand-up and when he was opening for rogan rogan never even knew if he'd show up to the airport he was so fucked up but he was such a raw kind of talent that people loved him and they loved his authenticity but here he has here he is as a 57 year old man coming to terms with what it was like growing up with this you know with a single mom his mom was a drunk who owned a bar and i mean his stories for people that don't know i mean you just google this guy and you just get lost in the absurdity but yeah i mean obviously you don't want to be telling stories where like the the, the laughter is coming from uh the pain you cause somebody else you know stand up the root of good comedy is punching at above you not below you so you want to fuck the man not you not the little people you know what i mean but i think we're on the same page with like not knowing enough to just be like off with his head but the other thing is and again i like i said before i didn't want to bring my whole tin hat into all of this joe rogan just signs a multi hundred million dollar contract and also this last week joe rogan had brett weinstein on the podcast talking about how they can theoretically have a third party candidate become president there are a lot of forces that which which you might not believe until you see like bernie sanders getting railroaded by the dnc this year there are a lot of forces in the world between big media and big politics politics that don't want Joe Rogan to exist anymore because he's a guy who money can't buy yet because of this multi hundred million dollar Spotify deal. They're going, all right, maybe we can get to him now. Whereas when he just had his own RSS feed hits the red button and does his podcast, you're untouchable. Cancel culture can only work if there's something you can cancel. They can't cancel Joey Diaz. He's still independent, but maybe we can get to Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan's literally the height of if, if you can get to Joe Rogan, we no longer, I mean, as it current stands, I mean, that's pretty crazy. I can't be canceled. I don't have anything worth canceling. But if someone finds this podcast while I'm on a network TV show, and the last thing I wanted to bring up before we get out of here was, because I, I don't, I don't want to conflate this with accepting other Me Too things. I'm not, like, like Chris D'Elia and Jeff Ross, two comedy store comedians, had serious allegations come out to them this week. Chris D'Elia, we know from the show You, he played 
a pedophile. He yeah. played a creepy uh, actor or stand-up comedian. I mean, it was shocking. He played a guy that preyed on like a 15-year-old and uh, and groomed her, you know, locked her in the basement, this crazy stuff in the show. In real life, there's been seven plus different females that have come forward as 15 to 17-year-olds saying, he reached out to me on Instagram, blah, 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 tried to hook up with me, tried to get me to send him nudes, this and that. I mean, it's a crazy thread. And that's like, whoa, whoa. At best, at best, Chris D'Elia was so reckless that he didn't care what age you were if you looked hot. And if he reached out to 10,000, then maybe a percentage of them were underage. At worst, he has a weird kink for toeing the line as someone in his 30s, mid-30s. Start, I think between 30 and 39 was when this behavior was exposed. So that's what's going viral on its own terms. Secondly, Jeff Ross, and this is what the whole like believe women thing comes from this. Jeff Ross had an accuser who was 15 when he was 33 with Polaroids. You know, Polaroids aren't doctored as easy as Photoshop. They've got barcodes on them. Polaroids, she had, she said he had, she had a key to his place. He stayed overnight. He said, uh, she would stay overnight at his place. This 15 year old's, um, dad was, um, was kind of like all in support of her going there. And, she, and, and, uh, she had a comedy club that supported her as a 15 year old, uh, being groomed by a 33 year old. And that's, she came out with that in the fall. She's got a whole blog about it and it hasn't made the news. And it's just and starting it's to coming out just starting to. And Jeff Ross, of course, is like one of the bigger acts. He does all the roast battle stuff with Comedy Central, even though the Comedy Central's probably gone. I think the pandemic killed Comedy Central. But you go, whoa, we need to be okay sifting through the fact that that men in different forms will leverage themselves in ways that's very toxic. But it doesn't mean you it it, it you have to be careful that you don't just light the pitchforks all over the place and burn the whole village down because there's a systematic scrubbing of like, yeah, these all, these guys all came from a kind of like reckless, crazy. I mean, if you were 15 in New York at, at, you know, you, you were probably, you were probably getting into clubs underage, right? I'm probably not 15, but like the, the, these dudes, no one gave a fuck back then. And I'm not making, saying it's right, but like here as an adult, she's getting smeared online. It's just wild. It's very interesting because in both cases, you've got, like we, we talked about before the podcast, Twitter bots that are trying to fuel the f fire on the Rogan thing. And you go, who knows who's in charge of that? Who knows who's kind of stoking those flames over a, a sort of like, not quite like for sure cancel thing. Whereas then you have like someone like Chris D'Elia and it's like, you, you know, who know, who knows what all the truths are, but the fact that some of these things um, you know, like he would have a lot of people's nudes and a lot of, a lot of his, um, who Crystalia had, um, some, so, uh, you know, if anyone goes on Twitter and just, there's just people like some people are still keeping, you know, don't want their name out there. And some are like, yeah, I'm 25 now. When he was 17, uh, he came to my hometown and, and the, the problem when the, they were 17. Yeah. So the problem with Crystalia's scenario, same thing with Jeff Ross is that, and, and I guess the same thing with in with um, Joey Diaz's story is that they were using their position of power within the comedy world to to be their reason for for getting laid. Like, of course, if a, if a chick consensually wants to fuck you because she saw you as a sexy comedian on stage, absolutely go to bat. But when it's like you're trying to fuck your fans 
and then some of them are 17. Now, in one of the cases, Chris D'Elia, you know, and they have all the text messages to show it, which is wild. Because, like, yeah, could someone make that up? Sure. But these, there's no reason to. There's no monetary gain they're getting. They're not trying to charge him with a crime. You know, they're not trying to take him to court and sue exactly. him. Exactly. And they're exposing the thing him. That is really tough for a lot of girls. This is why we say believe women is because you'll have these people that come out of the woodwork immediately saying, oh, she just wants a payout. She just wants fame. Like, when has coming out, when has accusing a powerful person ever gone well? They're not selling a book. They're not trying to grow their Instagram following by doing this. A lot of them are ashamed. And a lot of them thought it was normal. Like the 15-year-old who was uh, being hit on by Jeff Ross when he was 33. She goes, well, you know, I thought it was a little bit of a weird situation. She wrote in her creative writing class in high school. I fell in love with an adult comedian. You know, because at 15, you think you're on top of the world. And then you grow up to be an adult and you go, huh, that's strange. You know, and you kind of shine light on it and you go, you go, am I okay? Maybe, but can I prevent the next time this happens to somebody? You know, cause a predator doesn't usually do that thing once, you know? So what was happening with, with several of the, the women uh, who wore teens uh, with Chris Leo is that, is that he, he would kind of tell them like, Hey, you know, don't fuck with me. Like I'll, I'll block you. I'll, you know, there was a, like, by, 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 by dangling your celebrity over them, you can, you can control people and, you know, by having access to you or taking that access away, which is like what any person does in a position of power. Don't tell anyone or I'll get you fired type of deal. You know what I mean? So it's a, it's a, it's a whole scenario, but it's something, you know, so is he having like a reckoning right now? Well, he apologized through TMZ and said, like, you know, I did a lot of reckless things uh, and I took advantage of like my, I know I went, I went a little wild, but he says, I never, I never uh, actively hit on someone underage. That's why uh, where it stands right now is you have to kind of give someone the benefit of the doubt that like until someone says they fucked him underage, that hasn't happened. So the whole thing running, calling him a pedophile, it's like, look, uh, I don't know. No one knows according to all of that. But what we do know is he's a scumbag. Yeah, exactly. And that's, and that's not something I'm, I'm not apologize. I'm not apologizing for him for that. That's something you will have to pay for. Will he lose his career? No, no. I said that before. Not, not currently. No, no, he's a scumbag. He's still gonna have his fans and he maybe instead of performing in front of, you know, 8,000 seat theaters, it's a uh, 4,000 seat, but you know how business works. Someone's going to open their doors for him. To, I mean, you know, like, or, or and maybe, and maybe he does, uh, uh, write a killer hour addressing his scumbagness and and becomes the 57 year old Joey Diaz who's learned from it and again I mean he's he, he's his his dad's a high-powered producer in Hollywood so like he doesn't come from a place where like anything's gonna be stolen from him you know and um, and again I have no connections to him and I'm not one of the comics that's just like railroading him I'm just looking at it going hmm yeah like you just said scumbag scumbags pretty much the best way to put it and and just like i think we both agree with joey diaz where you go boy it's not the sexiest story to tell it doesn't make you feel good listening to it and and all that but um you know these podcasts they do three hour convos where they get high and talk shit does it make it right no is it something that i think they would continue to do telling a story like that i don't think so it's kind of like how howard stern you know, or like Opie and Anthony, they would, the, you know, the shock jocks used to have people shove wiffle ball bats up their vaginas. I mean, it's a wild, what this shit's out there, man. They like, you know, they were on, they were, they were getting away with shit on like CBS radio. You know, we watch bachelor where we watch people fucking a yurt. <laughs> 
and again, there's differences between, you know, anyway, we, we could, we're that the thing is, is I'm happy to talk about that stuff on the podcast, but not on social media because on social media, people come at you thinking you're either, you're either with me or against me. And if I even smell that you're against me. All right. So you support pedophiles. Oh, I, I bet you would love to. Well, like, there's you no know? room for nuance in a Facebook conversation in, or tweets, right? but I mean, boy, that's poor weird. judgment, poor judgment by people that get a little bit of success and power. Yeah. I mean, listen, we all have things that we're embarrassed about, right? We've all done things in our past that like, we wish we could change. We made the wrong choice. We were fucked up or whatever. Right. But you know, do you learn from it? Are are you still actively, are you actively trying to be a good person or are you actively being a reckless person? I think, I think in general, people learn from their mistakes, regardless of their celebrity. I think they learn from their mistakes. I think we have obvious, an obvious problem with cancel culture. I think comedians are harder to cancel because they come on stage. Usually successful comedians are super authentic, you know? So, so to watch Joey Diaz uh, deal with this, this last couple of days was interesting because he goes, all right, yeah, you think that was bad? And then he posts a clip of him on this is not happening where he punched a nun when he was a kid. <laughs> you know, he lived a fucked up life. He's lived a fucked up life and he's got a lot to show for it. And he's got some crazy sage advice. When you talk about Father's Day, you got like Joey Diaz is not the dad we wanted, but he's out there and he's telling you how he feels and how he is. Only time I ever met him was like just the nicest you know, the, he was just the nicest guy. He just, you know, it looks like, it looks like he was dealt a shitty hand growing up as a Cuban mom was a Cuban immigrant and, uh, you know, j- d- deal with a lot of just, just yeah, but dirty New York in the 80s. a shitty hand or going through like a shitty time doesn't excuse you from harming other people. Yeah. You definitely cast a wake that can capsize the other boats for sure. But but when it's all said and done, where is he right now? He's saying, you know what? I wasn't a saint, but this is my story. You know, it's interesting. God bless podcasts. Seriously, because without podcasts, you wouldn't have these stories. You just have these assholes running amok. <laughs> you know, it's it's dangerous because we're out here. Everybody's calling everybody out. And it's like, you know, it's like uh, what's the Bible saying? You know, let the person without sin cast the first stone. You know, that's why actors get so gets, gets, get knocked so far down because the Kevin Spacey's of the world, that's the dangerous shit. The Weinstein's, the backdoor dealings, that's the comics are like doing shit like, oh, in the open, like I said, I'm a dirtbag. What do you want from me? I'm not a role model, you know? Well, I I mean, I don't know if calling yourself a dirtbag excuses being a dirtbag. Maybe it gives people a warning to stay away from you, or maybe people think that, you say that in jest. I don't know. My take is that it'll be interesting to see how it plays out over the next few days or few weeks. We don't have enough information at this point to make like a real judgment call, whether or not that sort of behavior was like a consensual thing or not. Wouldn't and that that's be nice? really what it comes down to. Wouldn't it be nice if social media had a button where you state your opinion but you hit the two-week button and then in two weeks they say do you still want to post this you know what i mean we're so we're so quick to get our thoughts out there i understand the 
hypocrisy because that's what we're doing right now, but we're having a conversation about it versus just a quick, I mean, how many times, you know, we're both guilty of this and I know we got to go, but how many times do we rage message something on Facebook? You've got family, you know, from Kentucky, different ideologies. I don't rage message anything, but I am starting to get... (laughs) I'm starting to practice that unfriend button. I just, I've had enough. For a long time, I, I really subscribed to the idea that you shouldn't unfriend people you disagree with, that it might be a learning opportunity. Maybe down the line, they see the light and come around. Uh, but I don't know. These unfortunate friendships we keep on social media, it's unfriending people isn't living in your echo chamber so much as saying, I just don't want to invite you to my picnic. And if every day my picnic is a newsfeed of people I don't like, I just guess got to go. So, so gladly state your opinions just so I can see it and realize, I didn't realize, you know, because so many, so many people's opinions don't deserve to be amplified. They don't deserve it. And it doesn't matter if this person is my family or, a, or a, you know, an acquaintance from high school. Fact is, she's not getting invited to the wedding. Yeah. <laughs> I might never see this person again. You know who's getting invited to the wedding? Our Patreon guest. <laughs> Patreon.com slash is that P-A-T-R-E-O-N. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash T-H-E-S-A-P. That's where you get your weekly episodes. Stay tuned for all the new content that we got coming out and for all of those that have supported us out there. We appreciate you so much. If you can't do that, the best way you can support us is definitely hit the subscribe button on the YouTube channel. Check us out with the different clips we post. Uh, the YouTube is the hottest way to grow the podcast. So any comments you have, just help the algorithm. We appreciate it so much. Hey, it's good that we've got people that don't always agree with us. Some of the, some of the most pleasant comments comments or people that don't agree with us, it's okay to disagree. As long as we all know we have our eyes and ears open and we're doing the best we can. She's Tasha Courtney. I'm Dave Neal. Happy Father's Day, Tasha. You want to say anything else? I rode that whole wave. Do you want to say anything else? Give me something so I can hit the button. Happy Father's Day, Dave Neal. Bye, everyone. <laughs>